This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit molecule.com, that's M O L E K U L E.com, and use the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. It's Wednesday, January 15th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio, Mr. Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Earnings season. I wouldn't say it's heating up, but it's getting started. So we're going to get into a little bit of earnings. We've got some more holiday sales and we've got some CEOs to discuss. But let's start with Goldman Sachs because shares of Goldman Sachs are hitting a 52 week high this morning after fourth quarter revenue came in just shy of $10 billion. That is 23% higher than a year ago. It was not all sunshine and rainbows for Goldman Sachs, though, because on the downside, they have a legal bill somewhere just north of a billion dollars that they're paying. Yeah, that that uh... is that like run-of-the-mill legal stuff, or is there some big thing going on with them where they need more lawyers than usual? Yeah, it's the the one IMDb, I think, uh, or whatever the acronym is for the for that scandal. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, when you say that it's hitting a 52-week high, it sounds like it's this is mostly a sun, sunshine and rainbow story. Uh, you know, just looking over where Goldman uh, has has been and the, how the stock is done, you know, this is a company that has underperformed over the last three, five, ten, and fifteen year periods. Now, you go back ten years, you're kind of uh, still heavily in the financial crisis era, uh, so underperforming the market by nearly ten percent a year over that period of time might be the effect of you know where the stock was. Uh, but you know, it's, this is really not. Been something that has benefited shareholders over the long term, and I would say, you know, the the miss on earnings was attributable in part to a higher compensation ratio. What Goldman Sachs has done well is compensate its employees more so than its shareholders, and also its litigants now too. <laughs> So you're saying if you work at Goldman Sachs, either it's been a good good 10, 15 years, <laughs> either as a lawyer or some other type of job, then you're probably happier than just the average shareholder who has owned this stock for the past five, ten years. Uh, it was Michael Lewis, a friend of yours, close personal friend of yours. Not a close personal friend. Someone so, I've interviewed a few times, and it's been friendly. Yes, the interviews have been friendly. Well, he's a friendly guy. Yeah, so he's a friend of yours in a sense. <sighs> anyway, uh, he wrote back in the day, I believe, in Liar's Poker, uh, that uh, Goldman Sachs and other uh, bond traders lived were in the, the the blessed part of the economy of people who got who who could charge whatever they wanted for their services. Uh, I mean, it was a pithier line than that, but that sort of summed it up. Like he, having worked there and having succeeded. Uh, as that being his sort of first job out of college, uh, was he at Goldman? I thought he was at Solomon Brothers. Oh, he was at Solomon Brothers. That is right. Now, now I've messed up the whole story. Wow! By by misusing facts, <laughs> I would say we'll edit this out. But I think longtime listeners know we're not editing this out. No, I mean I've I've corrected you a few times, and you've let the, let me correct you. So yes, you're right. But it's the same category. I mean, of the employees of Solomon uh, back in the day, Goldman, uh, for you know up to the present of. 
well-compensated people uh, whose compensation did not make sense to Michael Lewis uh, based on the work that he was doing for them. But it's nice work if With, you can get it. Uh, well, Being able I mean, to charge the, whatever you want. the compensation part. Now, I mean, there 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 are long hours, and let's not make it seem like there there is a free lunch for that. But uh, nevertheless, again, compensation was part of the equation here uh, on on the missed bottom line. It really does seem like when you step back and you look at Goldman Sachs and the other big investment banks, you can throw Citigroup in there, Bank of America, whoever else you want. When you step back, it seems like uh, investors, if they're interested in owning shares of some business in the financial industry, that you really are better off, um, not just from a clarity standpoint, because you can understand businesses like Visa and MasterCard um, with greater clarity than you can with investment banks like Goldman Sachs, because there, there's always that black box quality to their earnings. Um, but you do better as a shareholder. It's not just, oh, I can understand this business better it's, uh, as a nice little bonus. You'd much rather have been a shareholder of Visa or MasterCard over the past five, ten years than Goldman Sachs. Yeah, and uh, Goldman is addressing that in part. I think they're having their first investor day uh, in in a couple of weeks, uh, where they're going to go over financial targets and sort of try to correct the black boxedness of their model, which has mostly been to just say, "Look, we're we're doing our thing, and um, don't ask us uh, a lot of questions." I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. I'm not going to hold my breath on the Goldman Sachs Investor Day being some amazing um, amount of sunshine into how they do business. I bet the food's good. Oh yeah, the food's probably yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, shares of Target down seven percent this morning. CEO Brian Cornell called Target's holiday sales disappointing, uh, and said, and I'm quoting. Uh, the company faced challenges throughout November and December in key seasonal merchandise categories. I'm a little surprised by this, for a couple of reasons. Um, the larger one being that Target has been a very good operator in the retail space over the past year or so. Uh, the second, more t- um, specific reason is that going into the holiday season, if you were going to bet on any retailer when it came to toys, you were going to bet on Target. They were opening the mini Disney shops within some of their locations. They were powering the Toys R Us website. If anyone was set up to succeed with toys, it was Target. So the fact that toys were one of the areas where they had disappointing results, that's a little surprising. Well, you you may be right to have bet on Target if you were going to bet on toys because the Data that they shared was that for the month the toys were approximately flat year over year, but that that still represented market share gains. So they were doing better according to their numbers, which are taken from the you know the industry trade group on toy sales. Then then the competition, not by a lot, but you know they took a little bit of market share. You're seeing Hasbro. Get hit by this report as well because the implication here is if you're flat and you're gaining market share, then the total number for toys is down year over year, and that includes not a lot of inflation, but a little bit of inflation. So that is not a good sign for Hasbro, and I think everybody's just lamenting the fact that Baby Yoda wasn't out there. 
It really does seem like a miss. It seems like an avoidable miss. But here we are talking about it. I mean, we're just giving more fuel to the Mandalorian by talking about, wow, you know, think of the Baby Yoda toys you could have sold. And now people who are listening to that are thinking, uh, I, I, I got to go watch The Mandalorian. That's the only way to get any Baby Yoda. You know what? Which everybody I, wants. All evidence to this point is that a lot of people are, have already watched The Mandalorian and have seen Baby Yoda. Um, worth pointing out that Walmart shares are down a little bit. I mean, you mentioned Hasbro being down. Best Buy shares are down on no news. Walmart is down on no news. It's, it's I'm assuming, related to Target. Being as big as it is, and having this kind of—it's uh, not a big stumble, but it's enough of a stumble. When the CEO comes out and says this is disappointing, then I think it's reasonable to uh, see a little bit of a sell-off. But it, I'm now even more interested to see what Walmart's holiday sales look like when they announce them. Yeah, I mean the category breakdown that was provided in the November-December comp sales by Target showed electronics down six percent. Uh, so no surprise that Best Buy is going to be down on that news. Um, you know, other things were up. It's a diversified business in the sense that uh, there are a lot of different categories there. Uh, beauty was up seven percent. Apparel was up five percent. Those numbers aren't too bad. So you're not seeing apparel retailers getting clubbed today. Uh, but uh, they were exposed to all the different categories. Some were up, some were down. And you know, net the thing is that okay, Target is down the stock. The stock's down seven percent, something like that at the moment. It's still up seventy-five percent over the last twelve months, more than doubled from the sort of Christmas time lows of last year. So, all right, you know, stock takes a little bit of a breather. Well, and it's also Jim Mueller and I talked about this the other day. Comp sales to this point. Are still positive. Um, the expectation that it was going to be north of five percent instead, it's like one and a half percent. And Target did reiterate they expect to have their eleventh straight quarter of sales growth. So that's that's probably going to hold up. But as Jim Mueller and I were talking about the other day, even just from an optics standpoint, there's a difference between well, we were expecting comps near six percent, instead they're at like one and a half percent. That still is better than we're expecting comp sales of plus three percent, and they're going to come in negative two point negative two percent. When you go from positive to negative, it's just worse than the actual number. Yeah, and the the, the details are interesting here. Of course, um, I think the broader story they talked about their digital sales, comparable digital sales, up nineteen uh, percent year over year. So. It's a part of the larger story that people are getting more online, less in person, or or if they are in person, they're doing it through order online, pick up in store, that sort of thing. So Target is uh, making the right transitions, uh, but uh, it is hard being a retailer. Quick shout out to Molecule, which is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Their technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people, including yours truly. Molecule's given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Breakthrough Pico technology across a range of products provides a solution for the entire home when it comes to air purification. So, no matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that is best 
for your space. If you live in a huge place like Barker does, then the molecule air for larger rooms, uh, a smaller, uh, cozier place like mine, the molecule air mini probably going to do well for you. The American Lung Association says more than 140 million Americans are living with unhealthy air, so don't be one of them. If you've made a New Year's resolution, go ahead and add the resolution to improve the air in your place. It's easy to use. It's got a a clean, modern design from the materials used on the device, like its sleek, solid aluminum shell that fits in any room in your home. And as I said the other day, the best thing I can say about the air purifier that Molecule has is it works. Uh, for 10% off your first air purifier, visit Molecule.com and use the promo code FULL10 at checkout. That's M O L E K U L E.com and use the promo code FULL10. Um, we talked about this on Motley Fool Money last week. Uh, we got an uh, email question from a listener. You get the chance to shadow a CEO for a month. Who do you choose? And why? Uh, Emily Flippin talked about Jack Dorsey um, because, as she said, I feel like I would get to study two companies in Twitter and Square. Andy Cross talked about Elon Musk. Ron Gross uh, mentioned Warren Buffett. Who would you shadow if you got the chance? Uh, well, first, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out whether to take the bait on the the respective size of, of our no. living spaces. No, 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 no! Don't take the bait. Be bigger no. than that. Be bigger than that. I'm leaning toward being bigger than that. That's the move. But I'm just I'm 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 working through those where to go with that in my mind. Let's move on. All right. (laughs) So and listeners will know you're the bigger man. uh, So uh, I'll probably work something in along the way here. (laughs) Try to be subtle about it. Who'd you go with? I'm putting you on the spot. Um, I didn't mention anyone uh, on Motley Fool Money, but in thinking about this, um, uh, are you now thinking about it for the first time? No, I'm thinking about it for the second time because I because I thought about this earlier today. Um, the The first person who popped into mind was uh, Kevin Johnson from Starbucks, but I think if I followed him around for a month, first of all, if I got to shadow a CEO, they would need to. Uh, be very patient and indulge lots of questions from me. And so uh, I'm worried that if I shadowed Kevin Johnson at Starbucks, a, a stock that I have owned for 20 years and a business that I love, I feel like pretty much every day I would not be able to stop myself from asking him about the food. Just asking questions about the start, like really, what's with the food? Have you tried? Like, what else have you tried? What are you working on? What's in the lab? Don't tell me about the roastery. I'm not interested in the roastery. What's we can go by the roastery and check it out. But I'm more interested in the food, and I think he'd get sick of me pretty quickly. So the other two people I thought of were Jeff Bezos, because I feel like Bezos would be. An exercise in both retail, studying retail, but also um, how he views the future. And the other one, and and I don't own shares of Ulta Beauty, but the job that Mary Dillon has done leading Ulta Beauty is one of the most impressive bits of corporate leadership I've seen in the last few years. Because, as you said about Target, retail is hard, and Ulta Beauty. Is an amazing business succeeding in terms of traditional bricks and mortar store count. They also have the membership model. 
Um, so I feel like in terms of learning, I think I would learn a lot from Mary Dillon, and hopefully I wouldn't bug the hell out of her in the way that I absolutely would bug the hell out of Kevin Johnson. Yeah. So you're weighing it based on how annoying you would be to respective CEOs. As, that's as an part, important part. Of, that's part of, of, of my calculus. Yeah. Yeah. And and really with Kevin Johnson every single day. It would be we at some point we'd be talking about food. Yeah, have we talked about food today, Kevin? <laughs> Kevin, like, like lunch? You want to get like no, no, no. Well, not at Starbucks. No, 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 no. no. I'd like to revisit the La Boulange incident, <laughs> the acquisition of La Boulange, the promises that were made, and the ultimate failure of that. And can we talk about Krispy Kreme no longer being available? There? Yes, because. What's up with that? And and he would rightfully say, you know, I wasn't CEO then. I'd be like, I know, I know, Krispy Kreme still exists though, right? And you could you could partner with them, right? What about that? Have and you, you thought could about ask that? every day? Yeah, yeah. About how many donuts do you eat in a year? In a year? Yeah, in a year. Um, less, I would say less than two hundred. I was going to say less than 300, but I'll, I'll yeah, probably less than 200. The over underline is like 185. Hold on a second. Are we counting munchkins? As like, are we saying, hey, if you eat four munchkins, that's a donut? Because that's basically the, how the math works. Because if we're doing that, then the number's higher. Because I don't eat a lot of donuts, I eat plenty of munchkins. All right. Well, to answer the question, <laughs> no one's listening. At this I'm going to no. Well, uh, we say that, and then the two people who are listening always chime in. That's true. Like I was still listening, and it's usually you know hey. the the guy or or the woman who's still still listening. So, to him or her, we say thanks, thank you. Uh, I'm going with Oscar Munoz, United Airlines. Yes, do tell. Well, I think first of all, my hope is that by shadowing him, we're getting on the planes a lot and going to some fun places. I say that in part because he's about to retire uh, in uh, May of this year, and so I think that the seeing somebody go through the transition uh, of, from CEO to uh, to chairman and, and handing over the reins and and that would be an interesting part of it, uh, especially if a lot of it occurs uh, at exciting places around the world that you can get to by by plane, preferably by flying first class on, on United. Or its partner airlines, so that's a big chunk of it. But he's been very successful. He's he was um, noted by PR Week as, as Communicator of the Year. Now that was right before uh, United got into uh, the headlines for the uh, passenger incident where somebody was dragged off the plane and and they did terribly on the communication of that. So I think uh, you know somebody who has. Both receive the accolades and the criticism, and at, at the sort of end of this part of their career, can uh, and is walking off the stage. Uh, I, I think uh, you know from a winning position. Nevertheless, I'd, I'd like to know sort of some of what he learned from that experience, um, and I, I think that it, the industry. As it uh, relates to, you know, government government regulatory bodies and to dealing with unions and to dealing with customer service and you know the cyclicality of it and the Boeing issues. I, I mean, I think that the number of different things that you would be exposed to would be a lot more than your coffee and donuts thing with, <laughs> with Starbucks. I mean, I'm drinking coffee right now. I'm not flying, um, so I, I people know. Fan of coffee, but I, I I think that 
the diversity of topics that you would get to see uh, would be fascinating. I agree with all of that, but I am wondering if 2% of the reason you would want to follow Munoz is you have it in your head that you would get frequent flyer miles for all of the flights you take with him. But I'd be frequently flying, you would according be. to this vision of mine. Whether I get the miles to fly more, like I'd be sick of flying by the end of it. Right. First of all, I'd have been everywhere. According to my vision of Oscar Munoz's job of telling me about his 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 work, would be like, "Hey, Buenos Aires tomorrow." Sounds good. Even if that's true, even if this vision of yours comes true, how do you think that would fly at home? You're you've finished much your, jealousy, much jealousy, and you finished your month with Munoz, and it's like, hey, um, next year I was thinking we could take a trip to, and you'd be like, ah, I've been there, been there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that that's that would a, work. That's a place you only want to go to once, yeah. once a year anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, you're you're just bringing me down, man. No, no, no. I, like, I, 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 I thought to, my idea was pretty good. No, I think your you idea are. is really good, and I, I absolutely agree with um, what you said about Munoz um, from a communication standpoint, because he really. Um, th- there are plenty of CEOs across a range of industries who could learn a lot from Munoz, just purely from the standpoint of how to interact with the media, how to put forth a message for the public. Um, it makes sense to me that he got that honor from uh, from the PR people because he really is a great. Well, and then they tried to take it back. Uh, like you can't really take it back. Like all it is is an article in the magazine. But I think they said like afterwards, hey, if we were giving this now after the incident um, where United really didn't do a good job on communicating uh, regarding the. You know this passenger being hauled off, um, and the, the social media elements of that, and that they said we we would not have given it to him. You know, at this point, but you know he's so he's seen both sides of, of doing the job well and suffering the consequences of of missteps. I don't disagree with that, but I do think that Munoz, as a communicator, had far more wins than losses. Right. Yes. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this episode of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.